Costa all the way to the wall. See you later. Wow, Tristan Casas says Homer. Swing and a line drive into right field. It's falling fast and it's in for a base hit. And history for Jairo Munoz. Line fly deep left center. Matheny's on the run. Still back to the track, to the wall. He leaps. And did he get it? He did. Oh, my. Tate Matheny. What a catch by Tate. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Woo Sox Insider, where we take you behind the scenes on everything. What? It was Are you just two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. We, I didn't like, know if you were chucking up the deuces if you had to go. No, or what. it's like Woo Sox twenty two. Twenty two. Take two. Because we are in twenty two. Cool new. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, welcome to the second episode. So I'm here with Chris Bergstrom, Mike fellow co-host and with Dylan McCaffrey, our producer slash guest today, where we're going to go through opening day. Now I know the set looks a little bit different for decaf and I, uh, I tested positive for COVID. So luckily I found out early that I was a close contact with somebody was able to quarantine. None of my family members uh, that I live with got it. Wasn't in the office, didn't give it to anybody else. So uh, I am on the COVID il for the time being and dylan do you want to tell people where you are right now because it looks familiar if you've seen us on tv i broadcasted 70 games this year with two broadcasters sitting right in front of this this backdrop and i feel like the star today that i get to that i get to don the dcu club uh awning behind me tq he loves to get covid right before he gets his vaccine shots uh to, to twice in yeah. a row is the week of this the week of his shot he's just decided happened, i'll just i'll just get vaccinated the old-fashioned way it happened as soon as i was eligible last year i had an appointment to go get my first shot and then got covid so i had to wait a couple of weeks before getting it uh then got vaccinated had an appointment for my booster just after the new year found out i was a close contact and then here I am again today waiting to get boosted. So if you're listening, if you're watching, get vaccinated. If you haven't been already, get boosted. If you haven't been already, because let me tell you as somebody with no pre-existing conditions or anything as a perfectly healthy 25 year old, it's not fun at all. It, I just been a miserable you know- couple of weeks. I would like to thank you guys too for putting me in the clubhouse and not turning on the heat because it's absolutely freezing down here. Uh, I can see why you guys decided not to be down here, and I the, don't. I'm I might prefer Zoom. I mean, TQ is kind of yeah. far away. Works out for me. That's but. good news, regardless of my COVID status. But anyway, we're here to I talk about. You. We miss seeing you around here. So yeah, it's the truth. I, yeah. I missed you too. I hope you had a happy and healthy new year, healthier than mine, but we are here to talk about, we hinted at it in the first episode. If you haven't listened to it opening day, because Oh boy, opening day was quite the whirlwind company wide. Um, I know we have our fair share of horror and comedic and enlightening stories from the control room, Chris, I know you were just kind of sitting on the concourse. Is that right? Throughout opening yeah, day, it was your yeah, first day that, in the ballpark. It was and hanging out at the booster club table, the woo crew table and enjoying seeing the chaos that you guys were dealing with. So I'd like to hear more about actually what was going yeah. on behind the scenes there. Complete chaos. So Dylan, you heard from a little bit in last week's episode, you're going to hear a lot from them today. Decaf. Let. where did opening day start? for you opening day was i mean the spoiler alert the end of the story is that it was a great success and everyone had a great time uh but what it took to get to that point was the most difficult endeavor of my life uh we talked at the top of the show about covid and that was a big factor in our opening day we opened to what it was at 25 percent capacity in this ballpark Yep. Uh, so a little bit different looking than previous, which is opening. only about what, like 2,400 fans. I mean, it wasn't Less. a lot. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was no berm. The ballpark wasn't looking as full as it did come, come May and June and July. Uh, but little known fact, it's known by some because we sent out calendars, but opening day 2021 was not supposed to be on May 11th. 
It was supposed to be on April 12th. And if you're wondering what the Nesson broadcast of opening day on April 12th would have looked like, wouldn't have happened. It would have happened. It just would have. What what a mess that would have been. We needed what would every, Polar Park look, have looked like on I April know, 12th? Like we, 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 I don't <laughs> like, know if we would have had seats for the fans. This place was getting built until opening day and it's still being built. We uh, would have found a way to have the 2,300-something seats that 25% capacity allows. I don't know if we would have had more. We, we would have had just an empty bowl with just folding chairs set up six feet apart, something something to get people in the door. Those, I mean, it's, it's, it's stunk that we had to play less games and have less fans, but if we didn't have those extra four weeks, you know what I was doing April 12th instead of opening day? Studying for finals to graduate college. Uh, that was taking up a little bit of my time. And gosh, those four weeks were a godsend, but they were also just like the four busiest weeks of our lives. I think that it, it makes sense to start like a week or two out from opening day because we got through all the sim games. We got through that. Uh, that was a lot of training and hiring new people. Uh, what's up, Chris? I was gonna say. I was gonna say you. So you graduated college and ran right into opening up a new ballpark in a control room. That if that doesn't go right, nothing goes right on television. Yeah. On radio. In the ballpark. In the ballpark. It's. A I was having like actual nightmares about. <laughs> about April 12th opening day. May 11th still scared me, but yeah, I graduated college from Emerson College at Fenway Park on Sunday, May 2nd. And on Monday, May 3rd, I was at Polar Park uh, for 15 hours and I was there for 15 hours every day until opening day. I want to give a shout out um, to uh, someone who got me through those those week before opening day. The first sim game I was here for was the, uh, I don't know if it was the first one, but I was here for the Assumption game. We had Assumption come in and, they played on this field before the Woosocks had an official game here. And that gave us an opportunity to test out all this new equipment, all this new staff, which I'll get into. But that was that was a tough day for me. Just we, we had to run this operation in this control room for the first time. I remember afterwards, after we packed everything up, everything was was put away. I found the man who hired me, who were, now works for the Miami Heat, Joe Jacobs. And I said, Joe, I'm going to do my best. I don't know if it's going to be good enough. And Joe told me then and there that we were all feeling that way and we all would have each other's back and we were all going to get through it. And we were all feeling that way because this is, this is the most incredible place I've ever worked. Like if you came to the ballpark this year, I hope that you, you experienced how wonderful and how impressive and massive it is. If you take a tour of Polar Park, you'll see our control room. There's millions of dollars of equipment in there, all of which I hadn't used before. TQ hadn't used before. We had, we, we, you look around asking how to, how to work something. And there's no one and in the room I, that knows. I think I think one of the things that was especially challenging for you where you were still in school, finishing up and graduating from Emerson, Joe and I were in the control room while the installers were there. So once they would install a piece of equipment, they would at least pull us aside for even a half hour and say like, hey, I just want to like tell you what this is. Like this is your graphics machine. You're going to have someone sitting here during the game. So we kind of were able to piece it together with the installers as they were putting stuff, pieces of equipment in one by one. When you came in, it was a nearly finished control room with so many more TVs and multi viewers and so much more machinery and staff than you were used to in Pawtucket where you guys had what four or five people in the TV cool. broadcast booth. McCoy Stadium's TV broadcast booth was where I spent my 2019 summer. It's it's smaller than my current bedroom. There's a pole that goes diagonally through the middle of it. We had a director, we had a replay operator, and a graphics operator. And then that was maximum capacity of the room. There was no air conditioning. It would get to up over 100 degrees in there during the heat of the summer. And I would come in each day with a calculator. And I'd be pushing in buttons to calculate everyone's batting averages. We have this amazing equipment that can do that automatically. It's a godsend. But when it was built, I didn't realize what we were getting ourselves into. At McCoy Stadium, one person directed, was a technical director, ran the audio board, was queuing graphics, was running the uh, the pregame show with the, with the commentators. At Polar Park, that is a row of people. That's, that's 
a different job for each person. And we doubled or tripled our crew and doubled or tripled the size of our control room and doubled or tripled the expensiveness of all of our equipment. Um, it was, and it was, it was a overwhelming task to, to take walk on. into, especially yeah. for you. You had in 2020, I was hired full time in January and I was lucky enough that uh, ownership kept on all the full-time employees. There were no furloughs of full-time employees and nobody took a pay cut dining on the diamond in Pawtucket, which was incredible. Um, kind of kept us alive. The 2020 season was canceled. So you didn't work a season in 2020. So to have a year off from working baseball games and the, doing the TV broadcast and then coming into this overwhelming room and situation with so much more staff, none of which you knew. And then having to run like we did with this was you impressed me all year long. It was oh, incredible. Gosh, thanks for saying that. I hope that it didn't come across on the Nesson broadcast that I was, uh, that I was staying up all night, just having nightmares about it. I didn't um, realize I was in a decaf's yearly review for 2021 here today. It, it, it was quite the year. No, you're right. So let's get to, let's get to opening day. Um, in, in the week leading up to it, Charles Steinberg was working out of his office 24 seven to secure all the amazing guests we had. It felt like every day I'd walk in and I'd hear something new. I'd hear, Oh, James Taylor, he's singing the anthem. Pedro Martinez, first pitch. We were we were getting these bombs dropped on us that that we were going to have these fantastic uh, guests on opening day, and it just felt like we kept getting more and more, and the ceremony kept getting more and more involved and, and, and complicated. Chris, like, you came to the park for the first time in person that day. Like, did you feel like we all had a plan for opening day? We were ready to go? Like, I didn't even know where the bathroom was, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like coming into that and I, we had a plan. I mean, everybody has, we, it's not like we came in here and didn't have a plan, right? How that plan was going to work. I wasn't quite sure, um, which made it really interesting. And like, I also had staff team members that worked with me and for me that I've never met in person before. They were yeah. showing up to work that day and I've never met them. It was a zoom interview. And for you guys, it must, must've been a lot tougher too, because just the amount of people that are in that room on a game day, knowing that one, you didn't really know anybody or a lot of them. And two, uh, how the heck are you going to teach them to run all this stuff a week before or 10 days before that assumption game was so big for us. Decaf. That was huge. Where because before when we were doing simulated games um, and again, we touched on that briefly in episode one, go listen to it if you haven't already, but it was just the team playing against themselves, doing live hitting, live pitching, fielding. Um, and we were able to get like four to five staff members in the control room on any given one of those days, which was six days a week. Um, and we would have it rotating. So we were still staying COVID cautious since we we're all working in the same room, trying to limit the number of people. Um, oh, that's right. But then there was a pandemic going on too. Still, right. There's a pandemic going on at the same time. So we're trying to yeah. have no more than like six people in the control room at any given time. And we have, like you said, a bunch of staff coming in on opening day that hasn't met each other either. So they're sitting next to each other with plexiglass in between them on the desk. And they're meeting these people for the first time ever and expected to work in perfect harmony and it, it's an impossible ask our staff's unbelievable i love them to death i can't believe the dedication that they showed all year long but again having that assumption game where we had an actual live baseball game with pace of play that we could practice like our in-between innings promotions on the in-game side at least and decaf i know you guys were uh streaming it on facebook live too and I think running commercial breaks and doing everything, right? We were running commercial breaks that like, it was so important because when we pushed play on the commercial break, it was like a sigh of relief that it started playing. Like it's just all equipment that we're using for the first time ever. If we did it for the first time ever running it live on opening day, I don't know if my blood pressure could have taken it. Um, but we were, we were planning for opening day up until like the night before the, the morning of, uh, we were supposed to have, a on-field run-through of all of the ceremony, the ribbon cutting, each step of it at, I think it was 11 a.m. the day before opening day. 
that run through happened at 2 p.m. on opening day for the first time ever live. live. We never got the run through done because even the day before opening day, the script was being written and rewritten and the introductions were being changed and the order was being changed. Everything had to be perfect. Some startups, you start off small, you build it up slowly. We did the biggest, most difficult thing on the first day we welcome people into this ballpark. And it was a lot. It was, uh, a, it was a major league baseball opening day. It wasn't a minor league baseball opening day. We have the mayor. We have the governor. Uh, we, James we went, Taylor. We have James Taylor. So <laughs> James do, Taylor. Doing his sound check, by the way. I don't think people realize his sound check was when gates were open. Like, that's how close we were. Yeah, things. everything I mean, was so tight. There was no margin for error. I mean, if that so, sound check didn't go well, I I don't know if there was time to fix stuff. But So it's it's the night before opening day. It's about midnight at the ballpark. I'm still waiting for the 11 a.m. run through to happen. And I go and I set up all of the lights for the pregame show that happened on Nesson and started at 2. The ceremony was at 2.30. For the first half hour, we we're going to have a pregame show. Then we're going to talk to the mayor. We're going to talk to Jim Longborn and Sam Horn and some of the Red Sox players. Uh, we set up everything. The lighting looks great. I go home, get home around 1 a.m., sleep for like four hours, drive back to the ballpark. TQ was here when I woke up that day. He he didn't sleep that night at all. Uh, <laughs> I think I got back home at 4 a.m. And then we had a all staff like dog meeting, day of game meeting, DOG, um, at 7 a.m. at the ballpark to make sure that everyone knew their responsibilities. So I got at most like two and a half hours of sleep. And um, I think Mike Monaco, who used to be the Paw Sox broadcaster and now works for ESPN, he's done a lot of Red Sox games on Nesson too, uh, sent me a text, I think, the morning of opening day and just like sending his luck, wishing us luck. And I told him, I don't think I've slept less in a week than I have this week. And I don't think I've ever woken up more refreshed and energized and excited as I did on opening day. I was so excited for opening day as a Worcester baseball kid who never thought this was going to happen. And on two hours of sleep, I was ready to go. I didn't even need coffee, although a gallon of it did help. It did help. Uh, and that wasn't that wasn't two hours of sleep out of just giddiness. It was we were at the park building the graphics and the, the videos that you saw on the scoreboard on opening day were being built at 4 a.m. the morning of. That was that was our experience yeah. getting us getting us launched. Because so a, a lot of the equipment wasn't installed until just before that assumption game a week earlier. So right. we tested out what we had ready for the assumption game and as we were going on, I was making a list of, oh, here's stuff we don't have yet. And like, this is what we need. This is what we need. Here's stuff that didn't work well, that was a little bugged that we need to fix. And then it was rectifying all of those mistakes and um, implementing everything that we were missing at that time too. So that whole week, which I'd also like to give a shout out to Chris Black, Amanda Smurridge, um, Dave Capel from ANC and Keith Book from Met Interactive. Those guys were some of our installers that were there with us until four in the morning, sometimes later that whole week, making sure that we not only had a show, but had a great show to put on from the start. Yeah, while, while, while you're on that, I got to give credit to Mike DeMars for all of this because after that first sim game, I talked to Joe and then I talked to Mike. And when I was leaving at 1 a.m., it was Mike and I setting up the, the lighting for that pregame show, which, by the way, set up all the lighting, left around 1 a.m., got to the park the next day around 7, 8 a.m. All the lights are gone. How, how did my lights manage to walk away within six hours? I wasn't at the ballpark babysitting them. It turns out the great Charlie Baker, who had came to bless us with his presence that day, he had a Zoom with the president of the United States. And that was the reason they took our lights was that he could. That's a good look. reason. That's I, I heard that. And I was like, <laughs> I want to be mad, but that's a really good reason. To that's need such lighting. a good reason. But like, I'm like, he had a zoom, zoom in the ballpark. He had a zoom in either Charles or Larry. I think Lucino's in Charles office. Sweet. So sweet 17 on opening day, right after pregame ceremonies, 
Governor Charlie Baker was on a Zoom call with President Biden. And so when I got to the so park, can we say President Biden came the opening day? Yeah, yeah. He zoomed, I guess. Pres- President Biden zoomed in to Polar Park on opening day. Breaking news. There's uh, our title for the episode. <laughs> um, but Charlie Baker, he he looked great in the Zoom. He took all my lights. So I spent most of opening day just even more stressed, sprinting between the DCU club and the Shaw's visitors bullpen terrace, just bringing down new lighting equipment, setting up the scene again, uh, trying to get the the show to go on air. And it was, it was just all hands on deck because we we got through the opening ceremony, uh, opening pregame show. And now we're to opening ceremonies and we haven't practiced it for the timing of it. TQ, you're, you and Joe are directing everyone on the field to go in time with the music and with everything else. And it's, we hadn't had a rehearsal. It, it was no terrifying rehearsal. going in. It was, it was chaos. And at the time, our communication system in the control room wasn't calibrated yet. So the TV broadcast and the in-game production and the folks down on the field, making sure that everyone is where they need to be and that we're hitting our marks and uh, staying on time everybody can hear each other. So everyone's talking over each other. There's screaming going on and it was complete and utter chaos where thank the Lord we had our script with us. So everyone was responsible enough and capable enough to stick to it as much as they could. And at that point, that's all we could do was stick to the script as much as we could. But Opening day, up until my favorite part of opening day, there was just so much stress and panic going on. And then it's so funny to talk to a bunch of my friends that were there. I had uh, one of my old coaches and my mom were there. And I was talking to them about the opening ceremonies after. Because for me, it was just like nothing went to plan. And I talked to them after and they go, oh, my God, it was amazing. We loved it. It was so cool. Pedro was there. Jim Rice was there. We couldn't believe it. It was amazing. And to just go, huh. So when it seems like my world is spiraling, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not putting on an entertaining show. Like it's, it's still going well to our fans, which is all we're trying to do in the first place. But even when, we're getting off script or we're having to shuffle stuff around or we can't hear or think because we're hearing everything that's going on in the other broadcasts, the in-game side or the TV side, people are still enjoying themselves and that's all we're here for anyway. So that was a great after opening day when I got home that night, that was a great uh, conversation that I had with my mom on the phone where I was like, Hey, how was it? Because I feel like, it went poorly and she was like, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. That's the hilarious thing that I think like anyone listening to this would feel like. And that's what I wanted to bring this up as well is that the other thing that got me to opening day was a call from TQ like the month prior that was when we were stressing out about how perfect this needed to be. TQ texts me. He says, I had an epiphany last night at the end of the day, everyone that comes to the park, everyone that turns on the TV They just want to watch a baseball game. If we give them that, then we've done our job. And that might sound like so obvious to everyone that is listening. Like, duh, that's your, that's your job. But we were (laughs) along with the pressure that like came from outside sources. We put so much on ourselves to, to make it great for everyone. Uh, Can I, can I run through here? Just the timing of, of the opening ceremony. Cause I have it in front of me. 1230. Chris, what were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't think you can, lose the fact within that too that there's still COVID protocols too when you guys are trying to put on this show so you have to be so many feet away from baseball players everybody on the field has to be six feet away from each other you have public officials on the field at the same time that have to be six feet away everybody's got their mask on we'll try to communicate with each other so throw that all on top of everything that you just talked to and guys, <laughs> I got the lights just you. went out on Chris. Yeah, <laughs> these lights are on motion sensors, and since I'm in here freezing, 
and yeah even so, the light sensors don't see you as a person no it's it just... doesn't i guess that meant <laughs> i was god just told me to chris it's time to just be quiet and listen go ahead <laughs> no but you're absolutely right because like we were doing the pregame show and we were talking about like which guests are going to take their masks off which guests are going to leave their masks on we don't want some politicians doing one thing and some doing another and everything was more difficult we couldn't go in the third base camera pit because it was too close to the players by mlb's conditions so we had to run a cable up to the visitors bullpen deck 150 feet every day until they finally opened up the covid protocols uh and so all of that had to be managed along with this minute by minute script the, the scripts that we write to go into these pregame shows so 230 on the dot josh signs off of the pregame show on the handover deck 231 the city banner drops 232 the welcome to worcester banner drops 233 pregame ceremony begins 235, the Mets line up along the third base line. The 240, the Woo Sox line up along the first base line. 246, the color guard first responders come out. 247, the national anthem is introduced. 249, the American flag drops. 249, James Taylor and his son sing the national anthem. We have a flyover from planes that are coming at 249 on the dot to fly over the anthem. We have a ribbon cutting at 250 with Janet and Larry. We have surprise first ball delivery from Pedro Martinez, Jim Rice, Rich Gedman, Louis Tiant, Jim Longborn. Then we have them throw the first pitch. We have Ava Roy, daughter of Christopher Roy, come out to place the ball for the first pitch. And then we have Bob Cousy come out to give his play ball speech. That all took place with an open mic. With an open mic. So that was now a 25 minute why, window. Now you see why decaf and I were just terrified all day because in that 25 minute window, the amount of people you have to try to corral for all of that to happen on time. I mean, even on a, on a normal Wednesday night game, it's hard to get players to throw out the first pitch of the actual game on time because they have their routines. They want to make sure that, they feel good. They're not rushing themselves. So a lot of times that's difficult. Never mind all of these huge names. I forgot Louis Tiant was there. And getting everybody to try to stick to this script that not only they haven't seen, but we didn't see until the night before. And so, the reason why they're working on it the night before until like all hours, we didn't get a rehearsal in is because that timing of like, the Mets line up right at 235, the Woo Sox at 240, the flyover at 249. We're thinking about like, how long does it take these guys to stand up and walk and stand out in the line? How long do we want the players to be standing there? It all, but it also all you're going to be account. like, I hope the Mets actually walk out to their dugout. Right. Like, that's the thing too. Like what if they're in the clubhouse? Are creatures of habit and they're doing their, like you said, their pregame routine, their pregame routine doesn't usually being introduced to, you know, 25 minutes before the game starts. Right. That's when they're stretching. So you got to depend on that. And what I think listeners might not understand or fans is that this baseball game has to start on time. If you tell Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, who are one now, it's Major League Baseball as a whole, say this game's going to start at 635, 315, whatever. The game's starting at that time, but you're going to get fined. <laughs> like that's when the game starts. So when you have delays in your pregame ceremonies, which happen all the time, you know, mm -hmm. uh, not only a Worcester legend, but an NBA Hall of Famer, Bob Cousy, who when you grew up in Worcester, the Coos was the man. The Coos is still a man in Worcester. I mean, that's your Holy Cross and going to play for the Celtics and in the NBA Hall of Fame. When you give the Coos the mic, you let him talk. He gets the mic. You let him talk. Yeah, he gets, he gets, the, gets mic. the mic because he doesn't he doesn't make many public appearances anymore at all. Right. And then so he. He took advantage of his live mic, which was yeah, great. So and I, I encourage if you haven't listened to it, go back and, and listen to it. It was fantastic. It was incredible. But then you're like, I'm even looking at my watch and I'm not even you guys. And I'm like, this game needs so, to start or we're in trouble. That was the, my, the, the, the Bob Cousy was my favorite part. <laughs> my favorite moment of opening day. I, Decaf and I talked about this the other day. We have the same favorite moment is when it was over. My second favorite moment was Bob Cousy saying play ball. So we were blessed that day to have Sarah McKenna from the Boston Red Sox, who 
had been sort of the field coordinator for every major opening day ceremony or every major ceremony at Fenway Park that you've ever watched, Mm -hmm. she has been running the show. So Charles writes the scripts for the 2005 opening day where they have the World Series rings, every World Series ring um, presentation on opening day uh, after the marathon bombing when they came back and David Ortiz's speech. Sarah McKenna is running the show to make sure everything's going on time and we're fitting all of this stuff in that we can. And I was lucky to have her on the other end of the phone because again, our, our communications is messed up. So I was on a phone call with her while I'm trying to also listen to everyone in the control room on my headset, making sure that the flyover was on time and the flyover. I was thinking all day, there's no way we're going to be able to get this flyover to happen because they are coming at a certain time. And if we're late, we're late. They're flying over in the middle of the anthem. And the flyover was absolutely perfect. It could not have been timed better. And that's thanks to Sarah McKenna. And then when Bob Cousy comes out to say play ball, I'm like, all right, we have 30 seconds until we're supposed to go out and have the first pitch. The players are like running out onto the field already. Raynell Espinal is... He's standing on up. the mound, stretching. Yeah, about to start warming because up. Because he can't throw the ball because Bob Cousy's standing right behind on plate. And then they hand they hand the mic to Bob Cousy. And we also couldn't hear anything in the control room at that point. We didn't have it's any so audio loud. monitors. So it's the only so loud in there hear is our DJ. And everyone's screaming because our communications aren't working. So they're just talking to each other in the room because they can't use the headsets. So I can't hear what's going on outside. Only our DJ can, and she has headphones on. And I see Bob Cousy say words, and I go, did, did he say play ball? She goes, no. And I was like, Sarah, why didn't he say play ball? She goes, Charles and Larry want to let him speak. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. He's Bob Cousy. And then I think he, he spoke for like four minutes. And probably it's the best speech I've ever heard. 30 seconds in, because he had 30 seconds, 30 seconds in. I'm like, okay, we need to start now because I'm worried about what you said, Chris, I'm worried about getting fined and that coming back to me because I was directing the in-game show that day. And after 30 seconds, I'm freaking out. I'm like, Sarah, why isn't he saying play ball? And she's like, relax. Like (laughs) it's okay. And probably 45 seconds into it was the first time in a month, maybe, or at least in a week that I was able to sit back in my chair and just watch and try to poke my head out the window and listen to what he was saying and look around the ballpark at everyone from the city of Worcester. They're just enjoying it. And it was the first time I felt the weight of the world come off my shoulders. And I just went, this is an incredible moment. This is hilarious. This is awesome. It's it's Bob freaking Cousy. And I just sat there and enjoyed it. And, it. and then the game started and it was back to chaos. I this mean, is... no, nobody likes opening day more than I do, but my favorite baseball game is game two. <laughs> yeah, that's what because that's they always the say nobody cares. In. Yeah, yeah. Because then, then it's you start to find out what your game day routine is going to be. Because then it right. kind of settles down and it's back to normal in a sense. I I needed us to just get to the game because once the game started, we had a lot planned. But I knew that once they were just playing baseball, like we're getting the shots. It's just the game is running itself. It's not on us to be running anymore. But we went up live at 2 p.m. And at 3.03 p.m., we're supposed to go to commercial break before we come back for first pitch. And it was – I'm so glad to hear the story from you, TQ, because – we're on the opposite side of the room the whole day, just having our own yeah. yelling matches. And so I, yeah, we ex- don't see each other during games. The exact same thing you that happened I. to you happened to me in the exact same moment with Bob Cousy, where we have to do the banner drop. We have to do the flags, everything we get to Bob Cousy, the last thing before the game. And it's like, all right, we just got through all of the stressful stuff. Just say, play ball. Let's go to commercial. Let's do this. And it's like, we're all just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting like we're there's so much tension that bob Cousy just obliterated like that was the first time that day that i like smiled and laughed 
Because I was like, this is out of our control. This is hilarious. We can't do anything about it. And that set the tone for the game where we had the very stressful hour leading up. Bob Cousy broke the tension and we were able to be loose enough to get through the rest of that game, which was a, a fun game. Because when you talk about television side too, as you get to realize is that commercials are also important. We never have those are sponsor obligations. Yes. So you need to get to your commercial breaks too. So you can't skip those. So there's the pressure on the game day presentation side, the pressure on the television side, but it's also our first time ever on, on Nesson. We're on the new England sports network. Right. And Oh my goodness. And on radio too. We haven't even said something about that, but we also have, we're on radio. Yeah, we're you on, get to on radio at the same time. We have TV and radio shows now that are different shows, unlike it was in for a lot of games in Pawtucket. Um, we had a call. We have a call coordinator now, which is the other uh, loophole is that we have to have someone on the phone with Nesson because we have commercial breaks that we run. They have commercial breaks that they run and they all have to be timed correctly. There was so much timing that went into this. And I think the biggest thing of all of this is just there was no rehearsal. There was no format or script for us to follow. Polar Park is not McCoy Stadium, and uh, it was uh, it was the craziest. It was all brand month new. and day of my life to graduate college. From graduating college to the last out of opening day, I don't think I took a deep breath. I think Guess I hyperventilated the whole time. Guess what? What opening day is almost here. Ninety I days. Know. Ninety days. That's it. I'm I'm looking forward to. I was obviously looking forward to last year's opening day because it was the first one ever I'm looking forward to this opening day a lot because like you said, game two is your favorite game because that's when you start finding out the systems and what your responsibilities are going to be. And you can kind of get into that routine, just like the players themselves. We are creatures of habit as well. And now that we've like actually set a structure in place and we have a lot of our staff returning who were incredible. I can't say enough about them. I'm so excited to to get some new folks in and and have another opening day. I can't wait. I want us to all go through like what our like specific favorite moment was. Like we obviously will take Bob Cousy off the board, but first, Chris, I just want to ask me and TQ, TQ and I were in the control room from you know 7 a.m. until the game ended. We didn't get to be out with any of the the people or the players or anything. From where you were standing, what was opening day like? Like, well, where, where were you standing? You know, I was located right around the first base side watching it all. And I think the thing that stuck out to me being from Worcester was just the sense of pride on everybody's face. Mm-hmm. Like something was actually happening here. Um, and you could just see that. Um, and they understood that we were here to celebrate that. And they were appreciative of it. So it just... For me, it was watching the fans and the families and the kids, even though there wasn't that many of them because we were under the restrictions at that time. But they were walking through the door like a sense of pride, wearing all their Woostox hats and you know sweatshirts. And like, this is our team and we're, we're fine. It's finally happening. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the highlight of my opening day. And also on the drive home where you're like, oh, God, we did it. Okay. You know, before the we have to come back tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Like, <laughs> oh, the dog meeting. 11 there was tomorrow. there was a brief there was a brief moment walking home or driving home where it's uh we got through it we made it and that lasts for about five minutes before the we're gonna do it all again because we set the expectation now right yeah right right and so with the capacity restrictions too we wanted uh, that was opening day the game started at three in the afternoon on Wednesday uh May 12th the game was starting at 635, which was our normal weekday time in 2021. It's your first and night game. Opening night. Yeah. And since we had a capacity restriction, we're only letting a quarter of the people that ideally we would have had for opening day. So we thought of it as this is a brand new opening day for these folks because they weren't able to come to opening day because of the COVID restrictions. And a whole so, new set of things to, to understand because it's the first time you're playing under the lights. Right. So how are, how is the ball going to react to the players off the bat and such? Yep. How do the lights play? Yeah, exactly. So 
also this for this next opening day, like you've been saying, like we're going to have for this next opening day, like Plymouth Street and we're going to have a berm and we're going to have the other features of this ballpark open that just it wasn't complete when we opened it. Right. And that was exciting. Like, I think I think the last week of the season was we were like, this is kind of like our opening week because the ballpark is finally basically finished, although we're going to keep improving it. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for both of you, actually, because yeah. I want to ask decaf first, because I know his opening day 2021 was a lot more chaotic than yours, Chris, although yours was still a lot of running around. Do you know what the final score was? We won. We won. Do you know what happened? Oh, man. No. <laughs> that's And that's the thing. So many games. So it's this is so hard to explain to people who haven't worked in sports or like a lot of people who are up and coming and want to work in sports say they love baseball. There's a lot of people I met from Emerson that played baseball there that want to work in baseball. And they ask me about it. They're like, I love baseball. I just need to be around it all the time. And the fact of the matter is working in baseball production. Sometimes you don't really have a chance to pay attention to the game. When I was in Boston, I spent 95% of the game on the concourse. Right. And you can't see the field from the concourse. I would drive home. And then like my wife would say to me like, Oh, who won? And I'd look at her and I go, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then I would go and check my phone. Oh, I guess we won. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's so, just it's crazy. When I was when I was testing myself the other day, what the final score of the game was, I said, I think it was like 10-6, we won. So we played Syracuse. We won eight to five. But how Syracuse, many home runs? Oh, I think four. Yeah, I think we were hitting some bombs that day. So yep. Yep. That was when we learned that Polar Park was built on a wind vortex that blows out to right center. Yeah. That seems to die in the second half of the year, by the way. It did so, die. Jaron yeah, Duran was hitting balls to the moon the first half of the year, and he was played great the second half. But definitely, like, we had the most home runs at home in the league for, like, two-thirds of the season. Yeah. And then during the AAA, fi- the, the final stretch there, we couldn't hit home runs. Like, it was – Right. You know, it's crazy. So, how the, how the season changed here and, you know, the ball – change too so so chris favorite part of opening day obviously like the, you said watching the the people and the atmosphere but do you have a moment that uh that you sticks out in your mind at all i, I want to have pedro I just, martinez I, back i'm year. never but you know what i'm never gonna forget bob Cousy with the hot mic yeah no it's that's true it. that's 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 i think yeah. that's a popular answer in this mm-hmm. that's this i office. actually have an, another nomination which makes coming back and playing the next day seem even crazier. I think my second fart, our favorite part of opening day, I just said fart. (laughs) My second favorite part, I was getting ahead of myself (laughs) of opening day was playing, playing COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have COVID brain. Second favorite part of opening day was that all the staff had a party in the dcu club after the game to just celebrate that we made it we made this huge not ordeal happen staff. we opened a ballpark not all the staff not the ones with young kids at home but a lot of the staff <laughs> we were in the dcu club having a couple beers after unwinding and everyone was just sharing their crazy opening day stories and just having that sort of rejoice as an a full organization where, like you said earlier, Chris, a lot of these people you've only met via zoom and haven't seen in person before. So now I'm back on zoom, right. To try to stay, to try to have a beer sitting outside on a, on a nice May night and share your horror stories of opening day. And to have like ambassadors share their stories of fans telling them how much they loved it. That that made the whole month leading up to it. So worth it. So worth it. A great part of that party we had afterwards in the DCU club was that Larry Lucchino and Janet Marie Smith gave great toasts. And I'll never forget. I was there Jan- for that. I'll never forget Janet's toast because Janet 
you know, she just helped design this ballpark. It's, it's incredible. We had to get everything happened through COVID opening day. She worked so hard to make it happen. She gave a speech talking about you work so hard, you dream about it, and then you get to opening day and then everything falls into place and everything. It's just, you have to enjoy it. And at that moment I was ready to enjoy it. But if she said that to me 12 hours earlier, I, I would have, Janet, <laughs> opening day is the hardest part. <laughs> this is, this will be been building for all this time at the end was, of the day right at the end of the day you it's just a baseball down. game yeah it's a baseball it's, it's game. the text it's the text i sent you a month earlier decaf at the end of the day also i was lucky enough to play baseball here growing up my whole life from age four through i think well 22 because emerson would play against clark and wpi so i would come back into the area during college to play road games and summer baseball in Worcester, whether it's high school playoffs, whatever it is, there's always a crowd. People are always into it. And just knowing how much of a baseball town this is, how many people drive out to Fenway to go to games and knowing that they could get tickets to see the AAA affiliate of their favorite team just down the road for nine bucks. I, there was no way that anyone would have been upset as long as they played at least nine innings. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, if they played thing... like 14, I might've been a little upset. But... <laughs> that would have been Nine's brutal. good. <laughs> I wouldn't have upset, especially because I forget about it until this moment. That was the start of a two week homestand. So opening day was, was the first. Right. Was the first of twelve games in thirteen. We had days a Monday off, right? Off this this one day off, which wasn't a day off. Everybody was here getting ready still. So, yeah. So that's right. what I have to say. I I worked every day from May third until May twenty fifth. Was the first day I was able to not come in because yeah. it was getting ready. We have games. It was. It and was for those listening that have a traditional nine to five, that's not an every day, every like weekday. That is. Weekends included every single day preparing for opening day. And not weekends included, <laughs> not just nine right. to five. It was usually nine to nine uh, when we didn't have a game. And that was, uh, this is leading up to all my favorite, absolute favorite part of opening day was when I grabbed a beer with TQ after. And he looked at me and he said, I know you're worried about this, but it is possible to work this job and to have a life, which has yeah. turned out to be true. You, you could question it, but it's 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 a true statement. You can have a life and also work in baseball. You just have to be prepared for the fact that if you're opening a new ballpark in a new city with a new crew, with all new equipment, um, you might have to work 30 days in a row, 15 hours a day. But right. you get to work at the greatest ballpark in central Massachusetts. Greatest minor league ballpark in America. Facts. Big facts. I want to play the playoffs. The, the, I want to play the cup here. I want to have how, it all at Polar Park. How about uh, how about the Environmental Protection Agency? That's right. I, just, we got we, I think a lot them. of us just saw that the other day. We got an award from them mid-season that uh, the city of Worcester tweeted out yesterday morning, I think, um, for turning a brownfield into a success story. So a brownfield is like an abandoned parking lot that's overgrown or what have you. Um, so again, shout out to Janet Marie Smith and Larry Lucchino for, for that award. That was a, that was a huge surprise for me. Apparently we got it in like July, right? Decaf. The article was written June in June, but again, with everything going on, it just it doesn't matter. We will accept it now. Yeah. Thank you. It, with everything going on, it just fell under the radar for the time being, but yeah, really cool. So I think we're 90 days from opening day. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, I think tickets will be on sale before then, for sure. Not yet. Uh, tickets start have to be a, on sale now. Call call uh, the Woosocks ticket on sale. Yeah, that's we, right. They, we have nine and 18 game plans that are currently on sale. So give us a yep. call. Um, our ticket sales team would be happy to talk with you and we'll get you locked in there. So yeah, give them a call 508 500 Again, that's 508-500-8888. That's my my audition for like old school radio. How is that? That's so easy to remember. And now you're going to be listening. A lot of 508s, that's all. I love it. Um, And uh, 
we also will hopefully have another job fair coming up in February, March. If you're looking to have a place at Polar Park next season, we'd love to, to have you. So be on the lookout for, for some job openings. Yeah. Especially if you want to work for me. Be fantastic. Oh, yeah. It'd be the best movie ever made. Work for Chris Bergstrom. If you want, if you, if you're an aspiring mascot, we have or, the place for you. Or salesperson. Yeah. Especially if you're bubbly. <laughs> I think Chris could use the little, little extra positivity. <laughs> I just laughed at you guys. When I saw TQ, I laughed. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm a funny guy, Chris. That's I think why. I just miss you. Please come funny back. Funny dude. Soon. I miss you guys. Uh, I've, like I said earlier, I've been in sweatpants <laughs> for <laughs> two weeks now. So I don't miss like throwing a polo on and uh, some slacks and a belt and tucking it in. And we're acting like this office is black tie. This is not a black tie. It's not. It's far from it. Yeah. It's it's sports. He's wearing <laughs> jeans and a hoodie. Wearing a Jean, even jeans compared I to dressed up pants. for the podcast today. By the way. <laughs> even, even jeans can relative to sweatpants. It's too restrictive. So, all right. Okay, we should Thanks. probably end it there. This is yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so. Stay tuned for, for this podcast to be more regular. We're hoping to get these out on Mondays now. Um, that's the plan going forward. If it I changes, would even go as far to say we will be getting them out almost. No, we'll be getting them out every Monday. And if we're going to miss a Monday, we'll let you know about it. Yeah. If we're going to miss a Monday, just know that everything we just said on this podcast about all the last minute things that get thrown our way, the, that's probably what happened. Or yeah. TQ decided to get COVID again. And remember to sign up for the Booster Club. You can sign up for free at WooSocks.com. Sign up for the Booster Club. We're going to hope to have uh, the video version of the podcast up on our YouTube channel, um, which is just WooSocks on YouTube. Go subscribe there. But if you're a Booster Club member, you'll have access to the podcast episode a little bit earlier than everybody else. So you got to check it out. Guys, I think I need to go. I'm pretty sure these lights are going to go off again. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna cut off. I actually again. might be a little scared the next time they do. So The heat might be motion sensitive too. And no, you might just not. not be moving around enough. I tried to move earlier. It didn't work. We're just stalling at this point to keep Chris in the fridge. All right. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great show, everyone. <laughs> go Woosocks. Thanks, everybody. Who's 22? Socks.